Section 75 of A Fair Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gabby Cowan. A Fair Mystery by Bertha M. Clay. Chapter 75. I shall wake up and find it a dream the eighth of august when had any day so beautiful shone before it was as though the birds had woke earlier to sing how the sun was shining and the flowers blooming lady doris opened her eyes to the fairest and loveliest day that had ever dawned early is coming to-day was her first thought early is coming sung the birds early is coming whispered the wind as it stirred the sweet green leaves she had rested well for it seemed to her now that her troubles were nearly ended in two more days she would be his wife then who could touch her what evil could come to her early was to be at linleigh by noon the hours would roll so swiftly so sweetly by until then only two days she sung to herself sweet little snatches of love songs while she was dressing she looked at herself in wonder could it be the same doris who once thought nothing on earth of any value except money and grandeur could she have so mingled her love and life into another's as almost to have lost her own identity and to think of nothing except early i never thought that i should be so much in love she said to herself how strange it seems she did not quite understand herself it was not that she loved early so passionately the capability of great love was not hers it was not that it was that early the master-mind had by the force and nobility of his own character completely influenced her and had won a complete ascendancy over her she had not much power of loving had she had was his but early represented peace happiness and prosperity to her early was her sure heaven of rest her shield against all evil her refuge against her direst enemy and bitter foe lord vivian so welcome bright sunny day welcome golden sun and sweet flowers the post brought her daily love letter but it was brief it said simply i cannot write so much to my darling i shall see her to-day and in two days more she will be mine until death part us he thought of the words when he saw them again every face wore its brightest look at the breakfast-table that day the earl and countess were happy in their beautiful daughter's happiness mattie because she entered so easily into the joy of others doris said mattie will you come out we shall have just time for our stroll in the woods before early comes lady doris laughed i really cannot mattie the spirit of unrest is on me 
I cannot go anywhere or do anything until I have seen Early. Have you decided yet about your wedding dress? asked Mattie. This strange caprice of silence makes me afraid to speak, but, silence or not, it is high time that it was seen about. Lady Doris laughed. I am so amused at myself, Mattie, she said. If anyone had ever told me some years, even some months since, that I should be quite indifferent over my wedding dress, I would not have believed it. But why are you indifferent? asked Mattie. I cannot understand. Is it because you are not marrying a nobleman? Is it because you are marrying early? No, was the reply. You can believe me or not, Mattie, just as you please, but I assure you I am more proud in marrying early than if I were marrying a king. So, I should imagine early is a king. Then, why this strange desire for secrecy? The beautiful eyes were raised wistfully to her face. I may tell you, perhaps some day, Mattie, but not now, dear not now you will marry some good kindly man mattie someone like yourself who never knew the fiery heat of temptation who has always kept as you have kept his eyes on heaven then some day dear when you are sitting with your little children around you i shall come to you world-worn and weary perhaps who knows longing to lay my head in the clover grass and then I may tell you all, but not now. Then there is a secret, said Mattie gently. Yes, was the weary reply. There is a secret. The words seemed half forced from her. Does Early know it? asked Mattie. No, I never will. Do not talk to me, dear. You have been my sister many years, and I love you very much. If ever I seek a confidante, it will be you. You need not to be anxious over my wedding dress, Mattie. Lady Linley has presented me with my trousseau, and she tells me that no royal princess ever had a more sumptuous one. She told me also that a box would come from Paris today, for you and for me. Rely upon it, that it will contain my wedding dress how kind lady linley is to you said mattie i do not think your own mother could love you better i do not think she would love me half so much was the laughing reply then in the warm sunlit air they heard the sharp clank of the clock eleven he will be here in an hour said doris shall you not go and change your dress asked the simple little foster sister i thought great ladies always dressed very grandly to receive their lovers my dear mattie was the coquettish reply could i look better no she could not a white dress of indian muslin showed every curve and line of that beautiful figure it was open at the throat and a lovely rose nestled against the white breast. It was relieved by dashes of blue, and the long, waving golden hair was fastened by a single blue ribbon. 
no jewels no court attire no magnificence of dress ever became her as did this she looked young fresh and fair as the dawn of a bright spring morning no one looking at her could have guessed that the full canker of sin had entered that young heart and soul i am very happy here she continued languidly i am watching the butterflies and the flowers look at that one mattie with the gorgeous purple wings see now he hovers round that tall white lily then he goes away to the clove carnations he does not know which to choose oh happy butterfly to have such a choice i wonder what it is like mattie to feel quite free from care they were seated under a group of white acacia trees on the lawn and with every breath of wind the fragrant blossoms fell in a sweet shower over them the sun shone on the rippling fountains on the fair flowers and on the faces of the two girls free from care repeated mattie with something like surprise why my darling if you are not free from care who is i was not speaking or even thinking of myself i was merely thinking how happy all kinds of birds and butterflies and flowers must be to enjoy the dew and the sunshine and the sweet winds happy but they have no soul doris she laughed a low bitter laugh that pierced mattie like the point of a sword huh. a soul she repeated i am not sure that a soul brings happiness those who have souls have the responsibility of saving them doris you do not deserve to be happy for you are not good cried mattie and three days afterward she remembered the words with the keenest pain but lady doris was unusually gentle she bent down and kissed the kindly face i am not good but i am going to try to be better dear it seems to be part of my nature to say bad things i am not quite sure if i always mean them hark mattie i hear the sound of carriage wheels early is coming the beautiful face grew white in its intensity of feeling mattie rose from her seat he will like best she said to meet you alone i will tell him you are here it seemed to doris that the sun shone more golden the wind seemed to whisper more sweetly when she heard the sound of footsteps and the voice she loved so well the next moment strong loving arms were around her passionate kisses fell on her face lips and hands my darling cried early my wife so soon to be my wife it was one happy half-hour stolen almost from paradise for he loved her so dearly he found heaven in her face and she was at rest at peace with him then lord linleigh and mattie came the earl with happy smiles and merry jests he was so glad in her joy love is very delightful he said but doris we must offer something substantial to a traveller suppose we substitute cold chicken and madeira 
then lady linleigh desired me to say that a most wonderful box had arrived from paris and she wanted you to unpack it then he bent down and kissed the fair face so dear to them all i can hardly believe that we are to lose you in two days my darling he said nor can i believe that i shall win her said early i often have the impression that i shall wake up and find it a dream and that early murray will be in the cornfields at home you are a poet laughed the earl and poets are not accountable for anything then they went together to lunch mattie knew that it was by lady linley's orders that the table was so gracefully ornamented with flowers and fruit the pretty thought was like her they spent perhaps one of the happiest hours of their lives together then lady linley said now for the parisian box early you must be banished while that is unpacked the ladies went together up to lady linley's room we will have no curious ladies maids or servants she said we will unpack this ourselves the key came to me this morning by registered letter doris my dear the box and its contents are yours you shall unpack them lady studleigh took the key and opened it there were layers of fine white wading and tissue paper one by one lady doris raised the costly packets in her hands and laid them down there was a bright maid's costume all complete a marvel of pink and white silk with everything to match white silk shoes with little pink rosettes white bonnet that looked as though a puff of wind would blow it away and a costly pink plume gloves fan jewels all matched exactly and mattie's face grew radiant all this for me oh lady linley how am i to thank you by looking your prettiest in them laughed the countess as she placed a fairly like bonnet on the brown shining hair i thought pink would suit you mattie so it does see how nice she looks doris lady studleigh kissed her foster sister's face mattie always looks nice she said just as she always looks happy and good then came the bride's costume you would not allow the earl and myself to show that we felt your wedding to be the happiest event of our lives said lady linleigh but you could not prevent my intention of seeing you dressed as a bride such a wedding dress one of worth's most marvellous combinations of white satin and white lace a dress fit for a queen and it was trimmed so beautiful with wreaths of orange blossoms there in a pretty scented box lay the bridal veil such a wonder of lace so exquisitely worked large enough to cover a bride yet so fine and delicate that it could be drawn through a wedding ring then came the wreath of orange blossoms lady studleigh was accustomed by this time to splendor there was little in the way of dress that could ever give her the agreeable sensation of surprise 
but she uttered a little cry of admiration as she saw the elegant costly presents the countess had arranged for her everything was complete and beautiful even to the little bouquet holder made of pure white pearls she took lady linleigh's hand and kissed them are you pleased my darling she asked gently oh lady linleigh you have left me without words quite without words i cannot thank you the countess bent her head could your own mother have pleased you more she asked no a thousand times no was the sincere reply then mattie said lady linleigh let us dress doris in her bridal robes so that early may see her and the countess laughed as she gave consent End of chapter seventy five recorded by Gabby Cowan